Well, there seems to be two coupled moves happening right now. Donald Trump's hopes of an electoral win seem to be sliding, although you never know. And down goes the US dollar. Biden's hopes are rising, and so is the Chinese yuan. Well, look at how those two groups are interlinked, if indeed they are. It's certainly been good news for the Aussie dollar and the Kiwi dollar. Plus, it's Brexit decision week this week. But will it all be pushed back? More than likely, it's Monday, the 12th of October, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar lost two-thirds of 1% on Friday, taking it down more than 1% over the week on the DXY index and hitting a two-and-a-half-year low during Friday's session. It lost 1.4% against the Chinese yuan at its lowest on that cross since April last year. Uh, the Aussie was up 1% on Friday, the pound up three-quarters of 1%, the euro up 0.6%. No big bond movements, but stocks were up a 1.4% rise in the Nasdaq, uh, not back to an all-time high, of course, but climbing back in that direction, another 4% will do it. Uh, the S&P 500 up 0.9%. only has to go up less than 3% to get back to its highest close. And the Dow is up 0.6%, whilst in Europe shares closed down. A 1.3% fall in the Euro stocks 50 and a quarter percent fall in the FTSE 100. The ASX 200 finished flat on the day, but of course, a ripper week. <laughs> to use the old Australian vernacular, it finished 5.3% up, uh, back to where it was in late August. So, uh, But I think it's currency sort of the main game at the end of the week. Here's Tapas Strickland, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. So the Juan at uh, the end of the week, well up against the US dollar. We had the, the Cajun Services PMI coming in at 54.8. Uh, the day before, we had uh, jobless claims in the US starting to fall uh, and uh, COVID infections rising. So... I mean, you put a juxtaposition like that, plus we've got the polls, of course. Is it as simple as that, explaining this uh, this cross and, and the bigger divide? Uh, good morning, Phil. Uh, yes, so I think it is a combination of two things. So uh, the uh, Kaisen Services PMI really crystallising uh, the view that uh, the Chinese economy is still continuing to, to recover uh, from the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And... Uh, as we all know, the level of GDP in China is now above uh, pre-pandemic levels and uh, nowhere is that the case in the rest of the world. So I think that is uh, very interesting. But the most immediate driver is definitely uh, this US dollar weakness that's going on. And that's coming on the back of polling that suggests uh, Biden uh, is uh, the front runner to win the uh, presidential election on November 3. Uh, and the key reason why that is adding to uh, yuan appreciation pressures is that it's seen that a Biden presidency will be less confrontational with, with China and take a more multilateral approach. Uh, and so uh, that's seeing a little bit of uh, uh, Chinese strength coming through. Uh, in, in addition to that, there was some notion that uh, some major investors had uh, pivoted asset allocation away from China uh, during the uh, Trump presidency. Um, viewing uh, that as a long-term dynamic playing out. And so it's likely you may see some uh, reallocation flows back into China as well as prospects for a Biden yeah. presidency. Well, I know there was, so there's a website, uh, 538.com, which runs these simulations of different possible outcomes based on different scenarios. Uh, 86 out of 100 of their simulations are now, now have Biden winning. Only 14 have Trump winning. At the end of August, when they were doing the same thing, they had 31 for Trump winning, Biden's still winning. But it looks like, you know, that that's going the way of a lot of polls. Biden now does seem to be breaking away, doesn't he? Uh, it, it does indeed. And uh, on nationwide polling by uh, Real Clear Politics, I think Biden is leading by 9.8 points, which is about roughly double the um, margin that uh, Clinton was leading Trump by back in uh, 2016. So there is some sense that uh, what the poll and uh, 358 are, are picking up is real in that sense. Uh, but the Real Clear um, 
uncertainty, uh, which I think will be the predominant theme for markets over the next three weeks, particularly for equities, uh, will be the odds of a Democratic clean sweep. So not only Biden getting getting the presidency, but also the Democrats getting the House and the Senate. Uh, And the key reason why that is key is because if the Democrats got a Senate majority, then you're likely to see a massive ramp up in spending. Uh, But if the Democrats aren't able to get the Senate or aren't able to flip the Senate, then it's less likely that you'll see a large stimulus uh, post the November election. Yeah. But when you look at betting odds, uh, they're quite high for a Democratic clean sweep. But when you actually look at the polling, uh, it's very, very tight uh, on whether the Senate does flip or not. But we are saying, I mean, equities are rising, aren't they, on the basis that there is this hope now that uh, a Biden victory will will see more fiscal fiscal stimulus. And uh, we, the Russell two, the 2000 index was up uh, over 6% last week. So small caps very much in favour. And that suggests, you know, this confidence of a fairly robust recovery in the United States. But you'd have to assume that part of that is going to be based on the government putting more money in. Yes, indeed. And that's the reason why I think uh, Mark is going to be very sensitive to the polling for the Senate, because uh, it is really reliant on the Senate flipping uh, in order to get a pretty aggressive uh, fiscal stimulus. Uh, in terms of those moves that we saw on Friday, as you're noting in the introduction, um, a lot of that driven by hopes of uh, fiscal stimulus. Uh, Trump did come out saying uh, he um, was offering a new plan that would cost uh, $1.8 trillion, uh, And uh, there was some hope that yeah. that, would, that would come across the line. But um, as uh, Saturday and Sunday came uh, came through, um, you got a lot of pushback amongst uh, Senate Republicans and also by the by the Democrats on, on that deal. And I just wanted to quote two Senate Republicans uh, that suggest maybe uh, prospects of fiscal stimulus this side of November are a lot lower. Um, so um, one senator uh, said, uh, the death knell for our majority if Pelosi gets this win. So it looks like the Republicans are very concentrated on uh, securing their Senate majority. Um, and uh, another one said there's no appetite right now to spend the White House number or the House number. So I think those two things uh, suggest even if the Democrats and uh, Trump can yeah. secure something, um, whether it gets through a Republican it's, Senate, it, it, it's uncertain. Yeah, it's not. Is it? It's not going to happen before the election. So there was Trump saying over the weekend in one interview they should go big. But it's all just... Uh, it, it, it's just they don't want to be seen to be giving in to the other side, do they? So close to, to an election. So it's just not going to happen. Yes, and uh, it really does look like uh, that it's really up to that Senate um, majority considerations. Um, so uh, the Republicans obviously don't want to see the Senate flip and the Democrats obviously do want to see it flip. Now, let's not, let's get back to China very quickly before we move on to, to what's happening in Europe, because uh, tell, tell me about the change made by the, the People's Bank of China over the weekend. So it's now less expensive to short the, uh, the Chinese one. Yes, that, that's right. So the uh, PBOC uh, scrapped the reserve requirement ratio for settling forward um, foreign exchange sales. And so that's going to be cut to zero from its current uh, 20%. And uh, just worth noting the commentary around that in the official Chinese press. So the Global Times noted the move will boost the short-term demand for the US dollar while holding the offshore exchange rate of the yuan within a 6.8 to 7.2 range in the long term. So uh, it does suggest maybe uh, the um, appreciation pressure that we've seen on the the yuan over the past uh, couple of weeks is proving a little bit uncomfortable for the PBOC. And so um, that is just one factor that could lead to uh, a little bit of depreciation pressure as we open. 
And uh, just going back to um, those talks, um, in terms of uh, where we are opening generally in FX markets, you've seen a little bit of risk uh, come off, uh, just given the uncertainty over those uh, fiscal uh, stimulus plans. Yeah. Now, uh, to the UK, very quickly, their GDP picked up to 2.1% in August, or went up 2.1%, but that wasn't great news, was it? I mean, the government had been subsidising eating out in, in August, now it's uh, trying to stop people eating out, so... Uh, this this pickup's not going to last long, is it? And then, you know, on top of that, they've got infection numbers uh, really rising in the UK now. Over the weekend, they broke new highs. If you take out one day when they had a lot of extra cases because of a spreadsheet error, uh, Saturday's figures were really, really the highest. And we've got Boris announcing new measures later on as well. And you've got the UK's deputy chief medical officer, Professor Jonathan Van Tam. He sounds like something out of a an action movie uh, saying uh, the UK is at tipping point that we haven't seen since uh, since March. So those, you know, given all of that, we would have hoped for more in August because it's all going backwards from here, I would have thought. Oh, indeed. And uh, just worth noting that August uh, GDP number for the UK was around half what the market was expecting. So it came in at 2.1 mm. versus 4.6% uh, expected. And uh, even with the growth we saw in August, the level of GDP is still 9.2% below the Feb 20 level. And as you're saying, it does look like there's going to be further restrictions introduced uh, into England uh, coming today. And uh, really, when you look right across uh, Europe, you're seeing uh, more restrictions imposed at the local level in uh, a lot of uh, capital cities. And um, those localised approaches, it's unclear whether that actually will be able to stem uh, the spread of the virus and whether a uh, repeat of a harder lockdown um, could could be yeah. more likely in uh, coming weeks and months as uh, it's been, winter starts. It's being talked about, isn't it? Absolutely. So also Thursday is the day that Boris Johnson had said was the absolute deadline for uh, agreeing uh, the final solution on Brexit at the EU summit. But now that the, the talk is that it's not going to be the deadline and, and the ECB summit's happening, but it's probably going to, the talks are probably going to continue into November. Yes, and that's definitely the uh, briefing that uh, EU diplomats are giving to the press. Um, they're, they're suggesting the UK is unlikely to suspend negotiations. Yeah. So it does look like it's uh, kicking the can further down the road. Now, uh, relatively quiet day today, isn't it? The uh, the IMF and the, the World Bank are meeting uh, this week. It's going to be interesting to see you know, what they both plan to do about emerging markets, which we haven't been talking about, but I mean, their economies have been hit much harder by the virus than uh, the, the larger economies. All eyes obviously going to be on US politics uh, this week. Uh, for the best part of the week, uh, we get US retail sales, of course, at the end of the week and the earnings season as well. Uh, what else will you be looking out for? So I think that earnings season is going to be pretty important just to see how quickly earnings have started to recover as uh, the US economy uh, re- reopened in uh, Q3. And uh, just worth reiterating, uh, I think it's markets could be surprised here. So um, not many companies have issued earnings guidance as in previous quarters. So I think facts was saying only 69 companies in the S&P 500 have actually issued any earnings guidance for the quarter. So I think that will be quite interesting to watch. Um, for Australia, uh, it's a pretty big week. So we get uh, RBA Governor Lowe speaking on Thursday and we get employment data uh, on Thursday as well. Um, so the market is has pretty high expectations the RBA is going to cut rates at the November meeting. So uh, market's going to be attuned to what Governor Lowe says on what type of measures are likely to be uh, cut there. And also, just given uh, what we've been discussing on the track of the virus in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, what else the RBA can do or is willing to do if conditions were to deteriorate further? All right. Okay. And it's Columbus Day in the United States today. So bond markets are closed. 
But I think the equity markets are open, aren't they? Uh, yes, that, that's right. But most government agencies are closed in the US as well. So I think it's going to be a relatively quiet day. Yeah, well, Twitter is still open, of course. So Donald Trump can still tweet. But maybe we're paying less attention to him these days. Who knows? Uh, good to talk anyway. Catch you soon, Tapas. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. that is Monday morning's edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.